Will you pray with me? Father God, we just thank you, Lord, Father, for being able to be here today, to be able to worship you. And Father, as that song just reminded, Lord, we know that you would do it again. Father, that nothing that you have done has been by accident or by chance, Father. But Lord, it is part of your good and perfect plan for us. So Father, I pray that as we study your word this morning, as we, we open up the word of your love story to us, Father, that we would be revealed of how we can live more for you, Father, that we would be encouraged of your love for us and the grace that you have for us. So, Father, be with us now as we study your word. Allow these to be your words and not mine. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Before we kick off into our sermon, I wanted to give you an update uh, on my family. And so many of you know uh, that we have been in the process of adopting uh, my baby girls. And uh, I say my, they're Misty's too. Um, but uh, we have since last April, uh, April 1st, uh, we have had uh, two little girls, two sisters living with us and uh, who are 10 months apart. Uh, they are now uh, two and three. And, uh, and our three-year-old is wearing uh, five and six T clothing. Uh, she is a, she's going to be bigger than me. And, uh, and so I get to look up to somebody in my family. It's going to be great. Um, but we've been in this long journey uh, in the process of trying to adopt them. And there's been ups and downs, uh, as there many times is with the foster care system. Uh, but we have found out that we do have an adoption date set. And uh, on September 18th, we are officially adopting our girls, and they will officially be hogs. And so we're very, very excited. And I just want to say, um, from me and Misty, thank you so much just for the love and support that so many of you have given us through this time. It's, uh, like I said, there's, there's good times and there's bad times. And, uh, but this church family has been extremely encouraging and supportive through it all. And so thank you so much. Uh, we are allowed to invite people to come join us. Uh, and so if you're interested in hanging out with us as we go through the adoption um, trial, uh, we would love for you to be there uh, with us. And so it's September 18th, and if you want more information, please feel free to reach out to me uh, because we're very, very excited to have this uh, process finished. And, uh, and then the real fun begins uh, with them. But our series this morning, we're continuing on um, on our Empowered series. And uh, we've been in this sermon series for four months now. And I've absolutely loved it because we've looked at ordinary people of the Bible that God has done extraordinary things in and through. And so I just want to recap uh, a little bit of the people, some of the people that we have spoken about throughout this series. Uh, we talked about Moses and how he was actively living out his faith to lead others to Jesus. And that every follower of Jesus is sent to share his love for others. We looked at Josiah. And we studied how the cultural changes when people invest in that culture. And so we have an emphasis that if we want to be a true influencer within a culture, we need to invest in which brings the best return for the gospel. And then we looked at the story of Ruth. And that taught us that we, um, we are to pursue a life marked by faith that sees beyond the present bitter setbacks and looks forward towards the future of what God has for us and looking past the insecurities and the comforts of this world. And then we looked at Elijah, uh, and we looked at the real struggle of mental illness and how that those suffering with mental health need to know that there is always, always hope to be found in Jesus. And then we looked at Daniel, and this is so important for us, of how to interact with a culture that no longer likes Jesus 
and has a strong push, and we had a strong push to not hurt those who are against us and not to hurt those who may think things and have views different from us. But we're to show the love of Christ to them and that when we live in submission, we fulfill Jesus' mission. And then last week, we looked at the Apostle, we looked at the Apostle Paul. Now, his life was intentionally focused on what mattered to Jesus and less on his own preferences and opinions. And that we need to be willing to lay down our own preferences and comforts uh, for the sake of faithfully following Jesus. And so one thing, again, like I've shared this before, I've just loved this because God did extraordinary things through these people. And these were just ordinary people. They were just people just like you and me. And so God is still in the business of doing extraordinary things through ordinary people. He's still in the business of doing great things in and through First Southern. And so this sermon series has taught us, has encouraged us, at least we hope it's encouraged us, to be reminded of what God can still do through you. And so as we looked at Paul's life and we saw all that he did, and this is one thing I, I, I loved about the people that we looked at, because they, they weren't perfect by any means. There was only one perfect man who ever lived on this earth, and it was not, none of these people that we looked at in this series. That man is Jesus, and Jesus alone was perfect. But we looked at the examples of, of Moses or Paul. Uh, both have did amazing thing. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, the law, one of the most read and trusted books still to this day to the following God's law for us. And then he led God's people out of Egypt, out of slavery into the promised land, led them there, did incredible things, a huge patriarch of our faith. And then you have Paul who wrote a third of the New Testament, was crucial in planting churches all across Asia Minor. And he was such a, a vital part of pushing us to, to this day to faithfully follow Christ. Yet both men were murderers. Both men were responsible for the deaths of others. And yet God still saw it fit to use them and make mistakes. And I'm just going to make a safe bet. No one here is a murderer today. Um, and so we're, we're, we're safe. We're in good company. And so if we can follow the examples and we can live up to them um, and see what God can do in and through us. Um, so today we're going to look at someone who's also known for making many mistakes. Someone who is kind of known for sticking his foot in his mouth. Um, often at times acting before he was thinking. Um, now I saw a few of you just nudge the person next to you. That's not nice. Can't, can't, don't, just don't do that. We're going to be looking at the Apostle Peter. And so Peter is one of my favorite disciples of all because he, he was. He was constantly getting himself in trouble. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to the book of John. And we're going to be in chapter 21, starting in verse 15. And if you need to borrow a Bible, you will find one in the pew in front of you. And if you do not own a Bible, please, when you, our services are over today, take that home with you because we want every person to have the very word of God, to be they can read it and study it themselves. And so please uh, consider that a gift from us. So the book of John is in the New Testament. It's the second part of the Bible. And so we got the, the very American names, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. And then as I tell the kids, chapter is the big number, and the verse is the little number. So chapter 21 is where we'll be. And so as we're, before we jump into our text, I want to give us a breakdown of who Peter is. Because we, we know, and most of us who grew up in the church have an idea, but sometimes we forget. 
I encouraged someone this past week. Um, she was a new believer, and she was asking me, how can I grow um, in my relationship with Christ? And, and she's got a son, and uh, she's like, you know, I want him to grow as well in his knowledge of the Bible. And I encouraged her. I said, read a children's story Bible to him. Read him stories of God's Word and what he, God can do and through great, amazing people. And I said, read that with him. I said, here's the best part. It teaches us too. It reminds us the stories as we're teaching our children. It reminds us the stories uh, that we learned as kids growing up in church. Or maybe we didn't learn. And so this is a great opportunity. So sometimes just to catch us back up on who Peter was, I just want to fill you in a little bit. So Peter grew up on the, the coast of the Sea of Galilee. And he was a fisherman. And we know culturally because he was a fisherman that he didn't make it very far in school uh, before he went to go learn his father's trade. And so he had a very successful business of fishing and who had, he had business partners who were, let me get this in here, uh, Peter, James, and John were all in business together, um, this fishing business. And then who would eventually all would leave that to go follow and become disciples of Jesus. You see, now Peter was introduced to Jesus by his brother Andrew. Andrew was actually was first a follower of John the Baptist, and then he was there where he saw John the Baptist claim Jesus to be the Lamb of God. And he, got, he went to his brother Peter and said, you've got to meet this man. Okay, his name is Jesus. Let's go meet him. And so they, they go and met, and they have several interactions. But it was after this time, as Peter was coming back from a busy night of fishing and not having much luck, that Jesus shows up and says, hey, can you take me out a little bit? I, I want to teach people and I, I need a platform here. So can we go on your boat? Peter said, sure. And so they're out there, and he, Jesus gets done teaching. And I'm sure there was a conversation about, hey, ha, any luck fishing last night? That's what guys do, right? And so and he says, no. He goes, well, how about you cast your nets on the other side of the boat? And he casts his nets on the other side, and there was so much fish that they had to have other boats come in to bring in there. And that's when Jesus looks at Peter and says, I will make you fisher of men. Come, follow me. And that's when the disciples left everything they have. Peter's name actually wasn't Peter. Jesus gave him that name. Uh, Jesus gave him the name uh, Cephas or, or Peter, and, uh, which means rock. And uh, first na- his name by his parents was Simon. So you hear him called Simon Peter a lot of times or Cephas um, as we see throughout scriptures. But we also see that uh, this is when Peter started getting in, into trouble. As they're out in the boat one night with all the disciples and Jesus said, hey, I'll catch up with you, a storm starts taking place. And all of a sudden the disciples, are, they're, they're crying, they're praying out, they're, they're scared for their lives. And they see, at first they think it's a ghost, but it's Jesus walking on the water. And what does any you know, sane person do? They don't ask to get out of the boat onto the water. But Peter did. And Peter says, Jesus, if that's really you, I want to be out there with you. And so what does he do? He jumps out of the boat. Jumps out of the boat, and he is literally walking on water straight as he has his eyes fixed on Jesus. And then the scriptures say that he takes his eyes off Jesus, and that's when Peter sank like a rock. See what he did there? Her name means rock. Okay. <laughs> there we go. We got it. Okay. And so Peter, Peter is known for constantly jumping out. And if, what did Jesus say to him? Ye of little faith. Well, he had faith at that moment. It's when he took his eyes off Jesus and he lost his faith in who Jesus was. But see, Peter was such an outspoken person. He was kind of the you know, non-designated spokesman of the disciples. And so when there's conversations of 
who people are saying Jesus is. And Jesus is asking disciples, who do they say I am? And then he asks the question, who do you say I am? And Peter was first to respond, you're the Messiah, the very Son of God. He was the first disciple to acknowledge that. And then shortly after we read of how Jesus is talking about his death how he's coming up and how he's going to be led to the cross and he's sharing this with the disciples. And then again, Peter, who walked on water with Jesus, who's seen Jesus perform incredible miracles. What does Peter do? Hey, Jesus, we need to have a chat. Don't talk like that in front of these guys. You can't be talking about your death. That's never going to happen. He rebukes Jesus. Um, And what does Jesus do? He calls Peter Satan. He says, get behind me, Satan. You're not going to get before me from doing God's very will. And so they had this very strong relationship of encouragement, uh, being called Satan by Jesus. I don't think it's a good thing to claim. And then Jesus starts talking again about his death and how they're going to scatter. And Peter says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'll even die for you. And, Peter, and Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And we see Peter even challenge that as they're in the garden and the, the high priests come and to, to arrest Jesus. And Peter actually pulls out a sword and cuts off a servant's ear. And Jesus says, Peter, put the sword away. And he saw this. And in that moment, Jesus was taken away off the trial. And Peter lived up to what Jesus said was going to happen. Before the rooster crowed, he denied Christ three times. And then he sees the death of his Savior on the cross. He sees the guy, he says, you're the Messiah, the very Son of God. He sees him die there on the cross and sees his body placed in the tomb. And then three days later, he hears how his Savior is no longer dead, but he has risen from the grave. And that he runs to the tomb to check it out himself. And then over the next few days, Jesus would appear to him, him and the other disciples a few times. And then on the very third appearance, we're going to read about this morning, and that's where our text picks up. That Peter, again, is with all the disciples, and, and what do fishermen do? They fish. And so as he is waiting for the disciples, as they're still waiting to, to see what Jesus is going to do after his resurrection, Peter says, hey, I'm going fishing. Anybody want to go with me? And the disciples go out with him, and they go fishing at night. And they're coming back in from that night, again, exhausted and haven't caught a single fish. I'm not really sure why we know, he, he, why the Bible says he had a successful business as a fisherman. Because we hear more stories of him not catching fish than catching fish. Um, only when Jesus shows up is when he's catching fish. And so in this moment, they're, they're, they're done, they're tired, they're worn out from a long night of, well, trying to fish and not catching and they, a man's on the shore and says, hey, have you had any fish? And they yell, no. Cast your nets to the right side of the boat. And it says that they cast their nets to the right side. And they caught, it, the Bible says, 153 large fish. And in that moment, one of the disciples yells out, that's Jesus. That's our Lord. And what does Peter do again? He jumps out of the boat. Jumps out of the boat and he swims to shore to meet Jesus. And they're there. Jesus already got a, has a fire going, has some biscuits and fish are there. It's, it's basically like their day and age fish and chips um, going on here on the beach. 
And this is where our text picks up. It is in John 21, starting verse 15. When they had finished having breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said to him, Tend my sheep. And then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This was said to show what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after this, he said to him, follow me. Can you imagine what Peter was feeling in this moment? Can you imagine the emotions that he must have been going through? He's sitting down having breakfast with the very man that he saw do everything. The man he saw die on a cross and then raised again. But it's the same Lord and Savior that he followed that he was told that he would deny him three times. All his promises of, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Lord, I will die for you. I will serve you no matter what. They may deny you, but I won't. But he did. And he did three times, just like Jesus told him he would. And then in this moment, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Not once, twice, but three times. See, what's taking place here is an act of restoration. See, Jesus is wanting Peter to confess. He's wanting him to acknowledge, yes, you messed up. It's true. You messed up, Peter. And you're going to mess up again more and more. But your love for me should never change. Because my love for you doesn't change. And so we see in this moment that Jesus was trying to express his grace to Peter. He didn't want Peter to live in the cycle of guilt and shame. He wanted Peter to go beyond that. He wanted Peter to rest in the grace and love that Jesus had for him. And in that grace and love, that would eventually empower him to do even more extraordinary things to further the gospel. And that's what Jesus wants us to know as well. He doesn't want us to stay in the cycle of guilt and shame. But he wants us to know this, and this is our our, our main point for this morning, our main point for our text, that your guilt does not outweigh the grace of God. Your guilt of sin, your guilt of mistakes, your guilt of the past, your guilt of doubt does not outweigh the grace and love that Jesus has for you. You see, we, we, I, was, I love the fact when God does things through our worship services. Because our, our songs that we sang this morning were about God's love for us. About God's grace for us. I love that song that we sang, Just As I Am. Because that's how God takes us. He takes us just as we are. 
He takes us in our sin. He takes us even with our shame, even with our guilt, even with all our regret from our past, even current mistakes. And he still accepts us and loves us. But like any loving parent, he doesn't want us to stay that way. He wants us to change. He wants us to become more like Jesus. He doesn't want us to stay in this cycle of guilt and shame. And this is what I mean by cycle of guilt and shame. You do something. There's, there's a joke about how, you know, the dad goes to work. He gets yelled at by his boss. He comes home and he, he yells at the kids. And he, his kid goes and he kicks the dog. And the dog goes and kicks the cat. And the cat goes and, and bites the mouse. And the mouse goes to get the cheese. And then snap, there's no longer a mouse. But this cycle continues, right? And then the next day he gets yelled at again. And we see this that even we feel that, oh, man, I shouldn't have been yelling at my kids or I shouldn't have been yelling at my wife, or I need to be working harder at this. And then we start feeling guilty, and we start beating ourselves up. And what happens? We end up yelling at our wife. We end up yelling at the kids. And we end up falling into things. There's even more extremes where we can fall in cycles of addiction. And then we feel the guilt and conviction of going back to the bottle, going back to the drugs, going back to pornography. And we feel this guilt and this conviction, which is, is okay to feel. And God wants to draw us back to him. And then we, we, in our own strength, we're like, we're no longer going to do this anymore. And then we find ourselves back in it. Back into that guilt. Back in that shame. Back in those cycles of addiction. But God's grace is so much greater than this guilt. God's grace and love for you is so much greater than any other hold and stronghold on your life. You see, once we are in the palm of God, nothing can take us out of it. And so I don't know where God finds you, has you today. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what circles are past. But I want you to leave here today without a shadow of a doubt that God loves you and his grace is sufficient for you. His grace is sufficient to, to rescue you out of any setbacks, any doubt that you're still holding on, any regret that you may be holding on to. There's an, an older movie out there called The Mission. And uh, there's this story of this man who actually ends up killing this guy. And he, he does this self-imposed penance where he has a rope, a huge rope, that pulls this big pile of armor. All the stuff that he, he had, his sword, his, his armor, and it's extremely heavy. It's this huge pile, this net full of stuff. And there's a part in this movie where they're in the jungle and they're climbing this mountain. And he's climbing and he's dragging this weight behind him. And it's his penance, it's, it's, it's his way of dealing with his sin. It's the way to punish himself. And as they're going, he's stuck on this log and he can't, and he just keeps on jerking it himself and he can't get past it. And one of the guys with him just gets frustrated, just gets irritated that this is slowing them down. This is holding them back from getting to the top of that mountain. So he takes out his sword and he chops the rope and throws the baggage down the mountain. And you would think that anybody in their right mind would be grateful for that and would continue on, no longer having to carry that weight. But this man climbs back down. He climbs back down the mountain and picks up the very weight that's been holding him back. And he carries it back up the mountain. Don't we do the same thing in life? Don't we do the same thing with our own doubts, 
our own guilt, our own mistakes. We go back to it. We don't allow it to be forgiven. We don't just leave it there. Even when friends come and say, you don't need to be holding on to this anymore, let it go. Even when God says in his word, my grace is sufficient for you, you don't have to carry that. Jesus carried that on the cross. You don't have to carry this anymore. But we like to go back to it almost as a comfort, almost as a way to be reminded of that. And I want to tell you today, your sin does not outweigh the grace of God. Whatever is holding you back from fully following Christ, let it go. The last thing that Jesus says to Peter in our text this morning is follow me. Brothers and sisters in Christ, are you following Jesus on a daily basis? Or are you allowing your guilt and the weight of your past and your mistakes to hold you back? Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your love. Father, we thank you that your grace is sufficient for us. Father, we thank you for the work that you're doing in and through us here. And Father, I pray that if there is people here today who, who don't know you, Father, that you will be opening up their hearts. Father, that they won't allow anything to hold them back from coming to know you today. Father, I pray that for the followers of Christ in this room, Father, if there's anybody here who still has baggage that they're carrying, Father, if they're still holding on to guilt and shame of past mistakes, Father, or maybe they're still walking in cycles of addiction, Father, maybe they're still walking in, in aspects of sin. Father, I pray that they would experience uh, conviction this morning and they would sit in that and understand your love for them is to let go of these things of this world and to turn back towards you. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to have a time of response today to our message. And if you want to know more what it means to be a follower of Christ, um, I would love the opportunity to be able to talk with you uh, today. And so this would be a time to respond. But if God spoke to your heart and has, has laid something here and you just want to come and pray, um, come pray at the altar here or come pray with somebody else, um, this is the time to respond. Or if you just need to stay in your seat and stay where you're at and spend time with God, asking him to search your heart, asking God to forgive you and confess this time with him and then experience the reminder of his grace for you and his love for you. This is the time. We're going to have our time of response now. Please follow God's will for your life.